Hey everyone, this is Chris Walker from Urbanime. Really excited about Relic and talking about it. And you are listening to the Carefree Black Nerd. Carefree Black Nerd is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, BYNK Radio, and carefreeblacknerd.com. Please rate and review on iTunes. Like, share, and comment on Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Of course, let's keep this conversation going. Live tweet with me when you listen to these episodes. Give me a quick little live tweet using the hashtag CBNPod. And as always, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. All right. Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I'm your host, Rain Coleman. And on today, I'll be joined by an amazing guest, a creative preneur, uh, Chris Walker. So how how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem, no problem. Now, for those of you who are not in the know, Chris is an amazing man with a bunch of amazing things under his belt. <laughs> um, not the the least of which is Urbanime, which yep, man. Okay, so this this is my my story, my uh, meet cute sort of speak of Urbanime. So I was I was on Instagram and I'm quick to just like anything black, anything of color, I'm like at least looking at it. And I found myself on the Instagram page and like the the colors is kind of what drew me in and then I'm clicking around and I'm seeing that there are two men of color again with the with the color palette. I didn't know if they were Afro Latina, if they were black, if they were Blasian, or not. I just knew that they had some color in them. And don't even ask me how I found the page. It's just clicking through stuff, and I said, "Okay, I I, I need to know more." <laughs> so in the midst of doing all that, I kind of went down a rabbit hole and was like, "Okay, this is this is dope as hell. I need to know a little bit more about this." <laughs> so I'm happy to be speaking to the founder and publisher of Urbanime, Mr. Walker. Mr. Walker, how <laughs> in the hell are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm I'm good. I you know, hearing all the things that you said about Urbanime makes me happy because it means that. You know the time and energy that we we're putting into it, and you know, uh, you know, making things, and even with Instagram, you know, making sure that we had those things that would be attractive to our audience. You mm-hmm. know, that they're out there and they're working. So that's uh, that's great news. Yeah, yeah, they they are. <laughs> so um, you're labeled as a creativepreneur. What what exactly is that? So uh, a creativepreneur is something that I've been working on uh, with me and. A couple of uh, peers and it's this idea that you know you're creative but you're also entrepreneurial or business-minded right mm-hmm. so you can be creative and want to do your own thing but I think there's a difference when you're creative and you want to start your own business you want to run your own company mm-hmm. and then you want to take that creativity and design the company in such a way that it works for your vision and I think that's the difference between um, just being creative and being a creativepreneur and you see it in a lot of different places you see it in business too right mm-hmm. like that person who works for a company who always has ideas they call them a change agent is yeah. a is a fancy word for them internally right or an entrepreneur right. but that person who's like hey i'm gonna you know we need to do this and they take it upon themselves and they have all that energy and then i think you know just kind of a classic is the the really disruptive entrepreneurs right so you can mm-hmm. be an entrepreneur and you know you could be an accountant and you want to start your own firm that's great you know you're an entrepreneur 
But if you're an accountant and you want to start an app and that app is going to be disruptive, it's taking that creativity of thinking about something differently and designing what that difference is and then making it work. I think that's what makes it uh, creative for Noor. Okay. Okay. Very well said. And I, I was, uh, I was very, uh, <laughs> I, I, not necessarily awestruck, but I was like, okay, this is, this is something nice. I've never heard that term before. So <laughs> to see it, I'm like, okay, this is something, let me, let me find out a little bit more if, uh, see if that's a title that can, uh, extend to anyone. Am I maybe a creator yeah. myself? Or <laughs> I, yeah. I, I want more people to use it. I think it's a term. I think it's a business trend, right? If you look at, where we are, where culture is, you know, there's so many people who are like, Hey, I want to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And I have this vision to do it. I want to do it this way. And I think, you know, at the heart of it, that's what being a creativepreneur is, is how can I do something differently and expect, you know, a different outcome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, those of you listeners out there who uh, are intrigued, go ahead and uh, try to see if you can apply some creativepreneurship in your own life because that's that's dope. That's yeah, dope, man. and yeah. and there's a website for it too. It's uh thecreativepreneur.com, mm -hmm. and there's the creativepreneur on Instagram and Facebook. And you know we we're putting out articles, we're aggregating content. Uh, we have some speaker series where I'll go out and speak to other creativepreneurs and have them talk about their companies and their ventures. We have a podcast coming out soon, so good deal, good deal. you know it's one of those things where I'm like. Hey, this is happening. How can we jump in and make it happen for other people? So right, if right. if you if you feel like you're a creativepreneur, definitely uh, find us online and and plug in and you know start uh, start jamming away on on what you want to do. Absolutely. And then again, that goes without saying. But for those of you out there who may be new listeners, I'm going to add all of those links in the show notes as well. So if you uh, are interested in the creativepreneur idea and everything that goes with it and how it is online and you'll have access to that um, oh that's great yes yes very much so so uh, <laughs> chris man you 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 have such an amazing resume like it's freaking ridiculous um i see that you've worked for you know little little mom and pop companies you've you've had some some <laughs> some a little bit of um i, I guess ties to these little lesser named companies such as marvel and dc comics at&t mcdonald's honda like <laughs> brother what what is going on what is, can we get a little insight on these amazing this resume you have <laughs> oh thank you yeah uh, you know i've definitely worked for some companies here and there um as far as insight you know and and i think that's really again with the creativepreneur i was like i need a a definition mm -hmm. <laughs> to kind of say like what i am and what i do and i always joke and say that i'm a creative person and a storyteller and a ball of energy and you know i've always been curious about uh business and art and storytelling and so that's just led me down a lot of different career paths over the years when I uh, graduated from art school. So I went to art school for painting. So I'm okay, a classically trained painter, mm. if that means anything, even though like <laughs> asking me to paint like uh, in the Renaissance style, you probably won't get it. I'm a big pop art, basket, okay. Okay. Warhol okay. fan. So okay. like I like a lot of abstract paintings and Richard Corn. So there's all that stuff going on. I got out of school. And uh, I wanted to be a comic book artist even in school. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was like, all right, how do I do that? And so I was really into painting, uh, was very good at colors, um, you know, from jump at 16. 
I started to try to break into the comic book industry and I would send color samples uh, to DC and Marvel. Mm -hmm. And I actually got some color, um, color sample packets back from DC. And they're like, hey, color this. We really like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't break in at that time, but it really let me know that it was a possibility. And so, yeah. And so I started, um, you know, uh, wanting to be an artist uh, full time and, uh, I went to school, uh, I went to high school and I heard about a, a comic convention. And so I went and checked it out and my mom and my family went with me. It was like a really good time. <laughs> and, uh, with that, I learned like, Oh, this is something that I could actually do mm-hmm. for a living. And so from there, I pretty much decided like, Hey, you know, I'd like to be, you know, I definitely like to do this and be a comic book artist. So I went to art school, learned painting, learned art. And when I was, done i was like all right well how am i going to do this and so i started going to conventions talking to other comic book artists talking to other creators and brian stillfreeze who's you know mm, the yes. man right now yes, <laughs> because of black panther mm-hmm. he's the one who really showed me okay here's that stuff that you learned in art school here's all that great color theory and all those things but here's how you translate it to mm-hmm. comics you know here's how you make that work when you're coloring panels when you're doing storytelling so you know, I owe a lot to Brian and his tutelage. And then um, I broke into comics with uh, Karan Grant with uh, Fantastic Four Mangaverse. Mm. And so I was really super into anime, super into manga, um, especially from an art standpoint. I really yeah. like the color palettes, just the way that they play with lighting. And so that's how I got into comics. And so I was coloring comics uh, for quite a while. And then... Um, I was always interested in film and TV and production. When I was in school, I was doing creative writing. And so I was really interested in uh, comedy and dramas and dramedies, you know, just as a creative person. And one of the things that I learned in art school is, you know, I was like, I'm not just a visual artist. I'm a storyteller at heart. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that means that for me, drawing was a way to express a story or painting was a way to express a story, but there are other ways that I was interested in telling these stories that I had in my head. And so I started writing and playing around with ideas for films and I started writing um, kind of film ideas and that sort of stuff. And I shot like a little indie film that, you know, if anybody here or listening is an indie filmmaker, you know, you always make that first film that never completely gets out of post-production because <laughs> because you're uh failing forward and as they say hopefully you fail forward fast so that you okay. learn from those mistakes <laughs> and so uh with that um you know i decided to uh uh pursue filmmaking for a while instead of comics because i've been doing comics for quite a while i've mm-hmm. worked with wildstorm i worked with marvel Okay. I worked with Dreamwave when they were around. Uh, I think the only one I haven't really worked with is uh, Dark Horse. Okay. So I was working as a colorist, and I was coloring just a lot of different stuff. Worked with like Ali Garza, Kieran Grant. Um, I'm trying to think what other artists I worked with. I actually colored a little bit of Batman Superman mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. And I was like, all right, I want to do filmmaking. And so an opportunity came uh, for me to be in New York and work with the animation studio and help produce a pilot with them while also producing and pursuing filmmaking. And Mm -hmm. so I made a web series, uh, antimatter and it's a workplace comedy set in a comic book store. And so, um, you know, they say, write what you know, and I knew (laughs) that me and my friends had had a concept 
years before. Um, and then with the web series world becoming what it was, I was like, oh, what if I tried to make this as a show? Right, right. I could do it myself. Mm-hmm. And so with that, uh, I ended up uh, pursuing filmmaking for a little while. And it was really cool. I got in the Writers Guild. Um, it was uh, featured in Wired. There were a bunch of things that happened. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm really enjoying this. And I had a friend in the web series, web series world who started working with um, advertising. And mm-hmm. he was like, hey, we need some people at this company. Would you be interested in you know coming on board? And I was like, sure. And she's like, you know, we really need people who understand filmmaking, writing, producing because we're starting to make branded content. And this yeah. was just when, you know, brands and advertisers were like, hey, you know, what if instead of just making a commercial, what if we made something that was entertaining that you yeah. would enjoy, mm-hmm. that you would like, that we helped to make that? And it's another way to, to have a conversation with you or talk to you without being super direct about a right, product. Right, right. And mm-hmm. so that's how I got into advertising. And with that, I was able to work with a lot of different brands. So um, McDonald's, Honda, AT&T. I did a couple Happy Meal spots that were out uh, <laughs> at the beginning of this year. And so, um, yeah, so it's just been a journey of really wanting to tell story and, you know, pursue kind of creative, uh, you know, instincts. And, oh, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be fun to do this or wouldn't it be fun to do that? And the whole time I've also been studying business. So. I had a business advisor for about seven years with the Small Business Development Center. It's like mm-hmm. a government-aided program. And okay. he taught me a lot about business. And I went back to school um, and got like a, like a, associates with like a American Management Association. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like a, a certificate in management. It's pretty close to like having an associate's degree. Because right, right. I was doing creative things. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you know, I'm working with all my friends. We're trying to do things. But something isn't quite, you know. Uh, catching yeah and I was yeah. like oh that's that's business right like we have great ideas you know we're really excited about it but that kind of piece that you know wherewithal wasn't enough there mm-hmm. needed to be something else and so I started <laughs> studying business and that helped a lot uh, going into marketing and so now I work uh, in marketing as a creative director and Urbanime is really kind of taking all those passions together mm-hmm. in one place. It's storytelling, it's comic books, it's art, it's anime, it's manga, but it's also, you know, taking the lessons that I learned in advertising and marketing and, you know, really trying to make a good uh, Instagram account, for instance, that, you know, the way that we came up with the strategy for it, we wanted to kind of get people uh, to be into it. So even that led to our conversation now. Yeah because it was those uh, creative insights and that creative strategy that allowed you to see the work and for us to have this conversation. Yeah. And again, I, I can't <laughs> rant and rave enough at just even all the content aside, as far as like the business, everything just on the surface level, the visuals looking at the Instagram account is simply amazing. Like it's, it's, Thank you. It, you can tell that there is an influence of uh culture black culture uh hip-hop culture uh, the art style is amazing the color palette like all of this i say you could screenshot about <laughs> bo- one half of this page and post this up somewhere and it add whatever caption you know uh it, 
Obama 2020 or, you know, anime forever, <laughs> or even hell, just put like McDonald's on the bottom corner and it, it'll, it'll drive you to be like, okay, well, what the heck, what's going on now? Like there it's, it's, it's good. And it, um, there's one, <laughs> <laughs> this run DMC post. I want to talk about this in, uh, I guess we can get more into Relic and, excuse me, Urbanime, but it gives me this, what is it, like, you know, what's the movie with um the guy, the white guy, oh shit, where they're looking for all of the different um historical monument things and the Da Vinci Code, I think that's what it is. Oh, it, yeah. It puts me in the mind of... um not necessarily revisionist history, but taking history that's already established and placing in these mystical elements, these are uh, these mm-hmm. elements of anime, these elements of fantastical, you know, creativity. Like it's just off this one post alone. Cause I'm looking at it's look, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to, uh, to even be I mean, talking to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because that was really our goal with the Instagram is to your point. We wanted when people to see it, to say like, Oh man, there's something about this that appeals to me. Like there's something about it that feels like hip hop or feels Mm -hmm. like it's coming from our culture, but do it really in a subtle way so that you want it to know more Mm -hmm. and and we'll be dropping more. You know, there's definitely more uh, relic content coming and, uh, you know, uh, Relic itself is a 45-page graphic novel. So, okay, okay. Um, you know, there there will be plenty of uh, answers to the questions that are posed <laughs> in the Instagram. Very good, very good. I'm glad to hear that because I'm and I, I've actually turned on my post notifications. <laughs> so, <laughs> soon as uh, something pops up, I'll, I'll be the first to, or the second to know, rather. Um, so taking a couple steps back, you mentioned a lot of things, you know, your love for comics and anime and being a kid interested in these things and even having the wherewithal to send out samples of your work to DC. Now, I guess first and foremost, where were, where did you grow up? Was it metropolitan area? Were you in the country? What? You know, I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina, and mm-hmm. so uh, everybody jokes and says that it is the country, <laughs> but it's really not. It's just, uh, I would say it's like your average size American city if you're living in a city that's not like a major metropolis. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up there, southern boy at heart, you know, love love the South, love the food, you know, love the people, so. Okay, okay. And then what, because as you were telling, you know, your extensive uh, resume and how you got to that point, I was thinking about little young Rain Coleman being interested in comics, but, and even, because, you know, I've drawn, I've drawn my own, I've scripted my own as a kid, and even some as an adult, I've been working with things, but to see that you are a man of color who had this interest very young, and... Again, we don't exist in a vacuum. We have different experiences. But overall, you don't see a lot of us, quote unquote, on the covers of books, be it the characters or even behind the scenes. So the fact that you were you had this idea and I'm thinking of it in relation to myself as a kid, because I drew comics on on the 70 uh, page notebook line paper you know what I'm saying like and I was like okay oh this is cool I remember those kitchen table days (laughs) exactly exactly but then that you took the extra step to say okay this is something I'm good at this is something that I'd like to do like what what made that 
that what made you think that oh i i should do this like what was that you know i i think it was really you know uh, i just had very supportive uh parents my mom was super supportive Mm -hmm. of um of me being into art growing up i think my mom you know your your parents tell you a lot about themselves growing up and Mm -hmm. i think you know my mom was always uh, a person who did her own thing and really appreciated people who do their own thing and having the ability to do so so she was very supportive of that when i was a kid so you know i was fortunate to come up in a household where you know, my mom wasn't necessarily an artist so per se, where she was like a poet or, mm-hmm. you know, a painter, but she appreciated creativity. She appreciated art and she was very supportive. And then I had a next door neighbor um, who was a fine artist and taught at the local art school. He taught at uh, A&T okay. University and his name was Floyd Newkirk. Uh, he passed away. Uh, recently, but he's really great guy, uh, very instrumental, um, big into the um, black art scene in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and very much supported a lot of creative people. And so, you know, he was the one who explained to my mom and my dad that, um, you know, everything you see around you, a creative person made that chair, that glass, that TV show, that poster, um, you know, and it was, it was his kind of influence that let my parents feel more comfortable with that being a career. And then, you know, as I got older and I started pursuing it more, I also found out that my dad was a big comic book fan growing up. You Mm -hmm. know, and I think we're seeing that a lot with black Panther, you know, there's that generation of African-American men who grew up with those characters and reading those comic books. And it was a part of their world, that whole Kung Fu uh, kind of black Panther uh, Luke Cage was really big with African-American men during that period of time. And so I think all those things kind of came together. You know, I had a very supportive household that was like, well, you know, uh, try it, see how it works. And then my mom, you know, was really influential in making sure that I got into art school and then mm-hmm. I had my paperwork signed up. So, you know, I just had a really good support system going off that. That's amazing. That is amazing. Because, again, I'm just thinking, like, what you <laughs> – Ah, it's very different from reading a book and saying, oh, I could draw that to say, okay, <laughs> how do I go about making sure I have at least the chance to be seen and right. then ultimately work doing this for a living. So that's that's amazing. I'm very interested. I'm, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> to hear that you had such a uh, supportive upbringing. And yeah, because that's, yeah. uh, that's, and that's, what I focus on here is representation in comics and related media. That be it yeah. a web series, some anime, you know, be it a, a cult commercial, <laughs> something. So I, I agree a hundred percent, and and definitely too. And you were asking, what was that moment? I guess as far as like making characters and stepping into that sort of thing. And you know, I always make my own characters, and it was weird when I was a kid. You know, like I would make some white characters, but I'd make a mm-hmm. lot of black characters too. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think about it, right? It's like right. when you're a kid, you just make the things that you like and it's just very natural for you to make a character that looks like you or Mm -hmm. kind of looks like your family or, you know, people that you look up to or who are in your environment. So definitely a lot of black characters. You know, I think my first character I ever made was basically me as a grown up who had power. (laughs) So I think that's like where everybody starts. But then in college, I was like uh, doing like Halloween. I was doing some Halloween thing and, you know, I was like, oh, it'd be fun to dress up. And so, I called myself dressing up as a ninja and I was like in all black and, you know, growing up with comic books and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, kind of nerdy. So 
you have your vision in one head and then I'm out and somebody was like, Oh, well, what are you? Are you like, you know, basically like a gangbanger? And I was like, well, I'm grown and I can handle this, but what happens when you're a kid yeah, and you yeah. hear that? And that's where I think that representation part that you're talking about is so important because I'm like, oh, okay, well, not only do the kids need that, but other people need that so that they can have people to point to. So mm -hmm. that they, when they are talking to that young kid, and like you're saying with me growing up in a household that's supportive, you know, when you're someone who, you know, maybe you're growing up in a household that isn't that supportive or you are in a household that's supportive, but mm -hmm. other people around you or community right. or society at large isn't, you need that representation. You know, mm -hmm. you need that school teacher to say like, well, you could be this hero or, you know, that person in your community or environment to say like, oh, they're being this. And, you know, mm -hmm. I used to say when I was young, and you can really see it now. And really, you need people in government and people in power and even like police officers to have other frames of reference for black people, especially young black men, yes. that we can be the hero. We are, you know, a member of the society, you know, not we are a person of worth, but we have worth, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's also that conversation that, you know, we don't even have personhood, so we don't have worth. It's like, no, we have worth because we, we exist, yes. you know, much less having to fit in some sort of paradigm that you want us to, like, we exist, so we have worth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well said, well said. That's what well, I tell you. <laughs> Y'all can't tell listeners, but I'm over here just smiling ear to ear. I'm <laughs> thoroughly enjoying this. But no, yeah, I um even taking a couple of steps back even further, with comics and anime being something that you have embraced and explored throughout your life, can you remember, or is there a character or a comic book that from, or even anime, manga, what, whatever, or both, however you like to answer, that kind of got you? Like your first memory, was it Superman or was it, you know, an X-Men or was it, uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z? Like what oh, was that initial? You mean outside of... Like my initial or things that were outside of that kind of initial ones that that everybody sees or everybody. Well, yeah. Well, no. To. Let's say outside of that because you know Dragon Ball Z is pretty kind of in the public eye that a lot of people know about it. So I guess outside of the regular Superman, Batman, what was that thing that that grabbed you? I got you. I mean, for me, it would definitely be uh, Robotech. Oh, I was yeah? in that. Yeah, I was in that generation where Robotech actually showed up on TV. Mm, so, okay. you know, I was watching Saturday morning cartoons one morning, and this and I was a big sci-fi fan anyway. And so uh, this show showed up with these transforming flying plane robots, and I about lost my mind and didn't know what it was. <laughs> and I was like, this might be the coolest thing that I've ever seen. And so it kept coming on, and I kept watching it. And I was like, this is really cool. And, you know, over time, I learned that that was anime. And one yeah. of my first, like, exposures to anime. And I was like, this is a really cool, you know, way of doing animation and cartoons. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd be super into, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, learning more about this and, you know, seeing how they do things. And then over time, I just you know there are other things that I like that kind of fell into that. And then you learn that some of the things that you've liked in the past, are actually anime so then you go back and yeah. you learn inspector gadget was anime you know it was the an japanese animation studio was animating it mm -hmm. uh, mighty orbots i don't know if you remember that oh no uh, that, that don't even sound <laughs> oh, oh mighty mighty orbots was whew, was the jam I gotta look so this up. <laughs> yeah there's a show called mighty orbots 
there's Bionic 6, you know, so there are all these cartoons that I was watching when I was a kid, even the intros to like Gummy Bears, Mm -hmm. the Disney cartoons were actually done by a Japanese animation studio and they all had this feel. Mm-hmm. And even some of the um, the Transformer episodes, you know, you find out like particular studios in Japan yeah. animated certain certain episodes, and that's why they had like a look and a feel to them. So, yeah. Um, but but yeah, Robotech is that thing that really hit it off for me. Okay, and it's interesting that you bring that up about um, certain studio anime studios having their hands in so many different comic comics, um, animation. Because even uh, on the other side of the coin. Power Rangers. I grew up right. watching Power Rangers, not knowing as a kid that the fighting footage was actually from Go Rangers. Like that, I'm like, right. okay, this is you know, not even thinking Angel Grove. True enough, is probably in California, but there's no way that you have this desert right here, and then you have this uh, <laughs> lush green wooded area. Like it's so even, even back then, man, they were crushing it back then, man. Uh, but yeah, that's oh, like, yeah. cool. Mm. Okay, yeah, and I just uh, looked up Mighty Orbots. This looks vaguely familiar to me, but this oh, would have came Orbots, out. And then the Galaxy Rangers. Woo! Man. Man. Let me write all this down <laughs> so I can look this up, see if, if I can you, watch a couple of episodes. ever get a chance to see Galaxy Rangers, man. One of the, one of the best, one of the best all time ever cartoons. Okay. And it was American, so it was one of those things where it was like, you know, American writers. So you got all that stuff that you needed culturally where it's like, okay, I can kind of understand this Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's coming from a place that I understand. But then the stories, right, with the animation style of the Japanese would would just blow your mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, this is – yeah, for me it was – the earliest I can remember because we didn't have cable when I was young. I remember watching Dragon Ball Z – no, 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 no. That's a lot. I remember seeing Sailor Moon, and, and I it it it, it kind of messed me up. Not because I felt like it was a girl show, but just I had not seen a cartoon that was female led. And then mm-hmm. Ronin Warriors was like I don't know how the wow. time slots were, but Ronin Warriors. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is the boy the boy version of Sailor Moon. So it was just. Yeah, that thinking back and looking at this animation style, I'm like, I don't remember um, a whole lot, but I distinctively remember Sailor Moon with that theme song and then Ronin Warriors. Like, that was a, yep. yeah, that boy. I think that was my yep. introduction to anime. If I'm. Yeah. Uh, and anime, you know, it's one of those things I'm not one who's like, oh, anime over nothing. I remember, especially when it first started becoming really popular over here, mm-hmm. there are a lot of those conversations. But. You know, there's things that everybody does well. Like, you know, the French uh, have some really cool animation techniques mm-hmm. and just kind of thoughts and approaches to animation. But I really love uh, the way that, uh, you know, Japanese animation is about minimalism mm-hmm. and it's, it's really technically proficient too. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of stuff that I think they do very well. Yes, yes, yes. Same, same here. And that being said, be. <laughs> Having a project like Relic. Now, I guess let's let's dive. Now, what comes first, the Relic or the Urbanime? Like, is it like a chicken before the egg situation, or is it or one supply? I mean, Urbanime or? is the imprint. Okay. So, okay. so you know, just take a step back. Urbanime is an imprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a permian two of urban and anime, and so our goal is really to publish comics 
that are geared towards this kind of, you know, hip hop urban culture, Mm -hmm. you know, just that way that, you know, hip hop culture kind of transformed the world. We think that the next, you know, phase or iteration is really comic books and graphic novels to tell those stories, to, you know, see those characters always say, you know, what would men in black be without Will Smith? Right. It'd just be a different movie, right? Mm-hmm, because he mm-hmm. just brings something so different to it. And and that quintessential kind of hip-hop culture and just vibe that he brings to it makes mm-hmm. Men in Black that thing that you think in your head. And yeah. so our goal is to you know tell those types of stories, those fantasy and genre and you know sci-fi stories, but with that with that feel, you know, that urban culture feel, that way that we kind of vibe and, you know, interact with each other, that the shared values that we have, you know, being fresh, you know, being original, Mm -hmm. uh, doing your own thing, you know, how does that translate, you know, either to a fantastical narrative or someone in a sci-fi or genre entertainment. So that's what Urbanime is about. And that's why, you know, on the Instagram, we say we do it for the culture because it's Mm -hmm. really about, you know, our culture and it's our time. If you see what's happening uh, with media, with Black Lightning and, you know, Black mm-hmm. Panther, Luke Cage, it's, it's definitely our time. And so our goal is to open that door even more, push that narrative forward and tell some really great stories. And it's to bring different points of view in. You know, it's definitely, you know, a lot of African-American culture in our books because, uh, you know, hip hop is something that, came out of our community but mm-hmm. if you think about hip-hop or city culture you know what's hip-hop without the contribution of you know our hispanic brothers and sisters as mm-hmm. well as you know our our asian friends you know i think about uh mountain brothers and you know all the filipino cats who right, really right, thrown right. down and contributed to hip-hop culture and so urbanime is about that that kind of um that that and you know people say multicultural but just that kind of that blanket that's interwoven, that mosaic that has all these different pieces that make something. And so Relic is our first uh, graphic novel to really come out and speak to that. And so uh, with that, it's about these two brothers who are 16 and 23. And, you know, they're African-American kids. And, you know, if you think about it, if you're 16 to 23, you know, you are you are in (laughs) hip hop culture because (laughs) that's just your world. But, you know, their their world is different. Like the hip hop culture that is here today, you know, has evolved from what it was 10 years ago, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. So mm-hmm. I wanted that to reflect in their their dress and their attitudes, you know, and the things that they're interested in. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is, you know, uh, uh, a fantasy story or, or kind of like I think people call it like an urban fantasy story now where mm-hmm. there's this magical ability that happens and so the amulet that you kind of see floating through the social media yeah there's significance to that so that's a that's a family heirloom and so that amulet gives them powers and abilities but you know with anything that comes with a cost and Mm -hmm. so the older brother gets seduced by magic and he becomes evil okay and so the younger brother um he doesn't and so what you find out with the story is their parents passed away. And so the younger brother was raised by his older brother, but his older brother had to give up his like college scholarship and Mm -hmm. just a bunch of stuff in order to raise his younger brother. So 
he's got like a little bit of animosity built in. And what the amulet does is it magnifies whatever's in you. So if you are hopeful and optimistic, it transforms that. If you're a little resentful or bitter, it magnifies that. And so you have a character who's raised his younger brother who's feel like who feels like life is maybe taking advantage of him or hasn't given him everything or taken things from him. And so now that he has power, he's like, you know, I'm never going to be put in that position again. Mm-hmm. You know, now I have the ability to control, you know, things around me and I won't go back. And so he leans into the power and then the younger brother, you know, he's full of hope and ambition and, you know, he's trying to keep his family together and he cares about his brother and the amulet magnifies that. But, you know, he doesn't want power, you know, he's not into it. And so he has to lean into the power to try and save his brother. And that's just the beginning. You know, that's where we kind of set things up in, uh, in the first, uh, graphic novel. Hold up. That's just the beginning. Like, (laughs) that's a lot, man. That was heavy. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, but, but they're young kids too. So like, you know, Troy, who's the youngest brother, he's like a 16 year old light skate kid. So he's like a little, you know, black skate rat. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. he's like trying to go, uh, pro you know and he's like pro-am and he's skating and he's really excited about it but um you know his brother is uh gave up his scholarship but he's a hoops kid you know okay. so he's like rocking like athleisure wear and mm-hmm. basketball shoes and has like that vibe to him and so we wanted to really uh steep it in you know what's happening today so that when you're 16 and you look at relic you're like oh that looks like my homie or my cousin or right my brother. right you know, that looks like me. And so, yeah. you know, we really wanted to give that to, you know, uh, people who are reading. It. And even if you're older, it's like, yo, that looks like my little, that looks like my little cousin or mm-hmm. my nephew or my next door neighbor, you know, right. and just start having that conversation so that, again, what you were saying with representation, it's happening, but even at a cultural level, even at a current culture of hip hop level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Bro, I am now. When when will Relic be available? Because that's or or do we have a date yet? Because I'm <laughs> fingers itching now. Do I need to? Is it <laughs> online? Is it going to be a physical copy or how is that going to work? Yeah. So we were we were looking at February 28th, and so we're having a launch party February 26th, mm-hmm. where we'll kind of uh, we'll probably preview some of the book and we'll share some things on social media. But I may push the the release date back just a little bit because we have some different people that we're working with and some brands that are really interested in the project that mm-hmm. want to work with us. So okay, okay. we might do some really fun things with them. And I think it just gives a little bit more time for people to hear about it. So that yeah. when it comes out, people are excited. So, um, you know, we, we have some really cool brands that we're talking to from the skate side who want to participate, maybe do some fun stuff with us. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. This again, just looking at the visuals of the Instagram and then hearing because <laughs> I was kind of slowly scrolling through it as you were talking, like I guess making my own. It starts to make trailer. sense, right? Yeah, it's You're it's like, just Whoa. man, this is so <laughs> dope. I'm um I don't know. I guess I'm excited because one the representation, but having this kind of fantasy story set in an urban environment where I feel as if just listening to you, our lived in experiences are helping elevate the story if that makes sense right. where y'all don't have right. to 
not that I had to anyways, but because all we're, we're inundated with all these fantasy stories about like a Harry Potter who's a white boy. And, you know, we get all right. that and it's pretty easy to just put myself in that story because it's a good story. But I've been doing it my whole life. I've seen these characters who do not look like me, but I enjoy the story. So just knowing that even if I'm not into skating, but like you said, I can identify that this character looks something like or he at least is in my some kind of way, two degrees of separation in my lived in experience. This is, this has me excited, man. Yeah. And that's the goal, right? It's like, you know, nothing wrong with Harry Potter. You know, I, I never really got into Harry Potter, but mm-hmm. you know, I definitely have my shows that I'm into. I was in the vampire diaries real hard. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <before>. Okay. <laughs> like real hard. So I definitely understand, but you know, I was telling somebody that it's just something different when somebody looks like you on screen, when they look like you talk like you, mm-hmm. you know, they have the nuances of you and your friends or your culture. And, you know, uh, African-American culture, black culture is really interesting that way, too. Right. Because what is quintessentially black? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've lived in different places. So like my friends in you know, on the West Coast have different ways that they go about things. And like my homies in New York and then right. down south and I was in Toronto. But. I think there is something that that we all have, which is kind of being in America and kind of having these uh, kind of ways that, you know, society kind of predetermines who you are Mm -hmm. and how you should be and pushing back against that and then how that transforms and translates. So if you think about hip hop, you know, it was a reaction to culture. It was a reaction to the culture at the time saying certain things and doing certain things with people of color, right? Like taking art out of schools, you know, having limited access and, you know, humans are humans. So you're going to figure out a way to do that. You're going to figure out a way to express yourself. You're going to figure out a way to control your environment. You're going to figure out a way to build community and maintain relationships. And over time, whatever happened, you know, in New York and the Mm -hmm. Bronx, it, it was so raw and pure, you know, it's kind of transformed the world. And so now, everyone kind of understands some of those subtle cues, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of those subtle cues also just come from, you know, being African-American. So, you know, a lot of African-American culture is also Southern culture, you know, Mm -hmm. been in the Midwest and understanding that migration pattern from the South to the Midwest. It's like, oh, y'all kind of Southern. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if you know it or not, but but y'all, yeah. the, the long y'all 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 kind of southern up here <laughs> <laughs> um uh, yeah yeah yes sir because i'm uh again i am from michigan originally and i grew up in a pretty decent sized town but i have cousins who only lived maybe an hour and a half two hours away and mm-hmm. they very much sound like what you would see a southerner on tv sounding like right they, they and it's i'm like we grew up together just in two hours away from each other but they sound very I'm from Georgia with a J or from Mississippi. Uh, it's amazing. Right. It's amazing. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, but I think those are the sort of things that, you know, we definitely want to kind of have in the book and, you know, kind of bring awareness to, or just have be part of the fabric of the stories that, that we're telling. I think it's, you know, and again, with, with our embracing that kind of urban culture, that city culture, you know, we definitely want to have stories about, you know, Hispanics and, okay. you know, Asian Americans, you know, we've been having a lot of discussions internally about an Afro Latino uh, heroine and what mm-hmm. that would be. And, you know, yeah, I'd love to do like a story that featured, you know, like an Asian American or a Filipino American 
mm-hmm. a lead character, you know, and just start putting those things there and, 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 you know, telling some really great stories, but bringing those cultural influences to the table too. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause that's the biggest thing. And Oh my God, I'm glad you said those cultural influences because you have, and not to get too far away from your projects, but you have something like black lightning, that and have you have you seen it have you been watching it or yeah i've been enjoying it man i i'm kind of a cw person so uh uh when he was lamar hayes yeah heart of dixie you don't know about heart of dixie and and lamar okay Um, (laughs) i I like tv i like i like tv and storytelling so very good yeah i'm i'm with you there but I'm, i'm thinking I um I host the show Black Lightning Matters right now and I'm doing it with a co-host who is very much into DC Comics and into mm-hmm. CW shows and mm-hmm. though we both can agree that Black Lightning is a good show we also a lot of times focus on the fact that there is a lived in experience that is very apparent through the writing and through the right. styling and through versus Arrow and Supergirl mm-hmm. and Flash are good shows. There is nothing yep. wrong with those shows, but you can tell that if the persons or the team that has creative control over those shows had creative control over Black Lightning, it would be an entirely different show. Oh, Albeit, yeah. it would probably still be a good show that fit into the Arrowverse, but right. there is a clear, much like even on the um, Marvel side of things, uh, I guess I'd go with... Oh, Maybe Iron Fist versus Luke Cage because Jessica Jones not so much because it's a one. Well, all, this being said, there is something special when you can get a person who has that lived-in experience or has yeah. the familiar connections to be able to write an authentic Filipino yeah. woman or a homosexual guy or a black boy from the Bronx or like it's just to have that experience. And that's brother. Yeah. And there's things that you just won't know. And, you know, we talk about that a lot in advertising, too, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's one of the big issues in advertising. You know, you look at something that just happened with, like, H&M. And, you know, the oh, list yeah. goes on, right? There's a lot of things that happen. Uh, I think Dove had that issue with the skin tone uh, where right? the woman took off the shirt. Mm-hmm. And then she became, <laughs> you know, was a African-American woman. She took off her shirt. and It was a Caucasian woman. It's like... Yeah. Little things, like you said, when you've had that lived-in experience, you're like, you're just like, hey, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right, just right, not right. a great idea. We can come up with others, you know, with the right. with the H and M. I think, you know, maybe there's just some tone deafness going on. But mm-hmm. when you have people who have come from those experiences and they've lived with those contexts, I think that they can, you know, translate those and communicate them to other people. Both, you know, being in advertising and and business to the other people who are decision makers, right? It's like, hey, here's why this might be an issue. Yeah. And I'm telling you in a way that you can understand. But then also for those communities too, where it's like, hey, thank you for taking the time to understand who I am and my issues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to make sure that the representation of who I am and my culture comes through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's one of those things like you're not going to get it right all the time. Right, but right. I think if you're trying to get it right, I think people appreciate the fact that you are giving it an effort and you're really listening and you're really trying, right? You know, because even Absolutely. like I said, inside of African American culture, there's so many different points of views about who we are, what our struggles are, what our identities are, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's a conversation that we're having. It is, it is. And I um and like you said, I do appreciate when even when there's a misstep, if you can 
be, uh, I guess, aware enough or cognizant enough that something should be done, be it a right. you know press release saying we're sorry X Y and Z or just owning up to this may have been wrong on our part because no matter what you're going to get the people who just isn't, are not going to like you going forward but then you'll have those who are like okay well I can see you know at least there was an attempt there so I, yeah that's very important and it, it seems as if it's it's I don't even want to say cheaper but it just makes more sense to kind of reference someone else like there's no way I would want to write a story about a trans person without at the very least the very least looking up YouTube videos or finding trans activists to see like at the right. very least. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> something you said, um, I remember uh, the article you wrote about the rise of the urban comic head. And you yep. mentioned in there, it was a quote that said, the core audience is broadening in gender, sexual orientation and age. Now, that being said, I'm sure that can <clears throat> be extended to, you know, women and cis and head and trans and every other type of label or minority under the sun. Um, I think I'm taking a roundabout way of asking about more of Relic. <laughs> like, is this something that you kind of have in the back of your head? Like, okay, uh, Relic is a project we're working on. The audience is no longer 60-year-old white men. um I mean, Relic was never made for six years. Well, no, no, well, not Relic and, and, itself. But... When I say it, Relic's not even made for the direct comic book market. You know, yeah. I talk to my team about that a lot. Like, I'm, it would be great. But first of all, you know, Relic's a digital comic book. Mm -hmm. So there's just a certain reality of not working with the direct market in comic book stores that we made um, conscious decisions on as Urbanime. You know, that we're a digital graphic novel company we're digital first doesn't mean that we won't do print or that we're not interested mm -hmm. but when you think about audiences now and media consumption and how they're watching their stories reading their stories mm -hmm. you know for us being a startup company that might not be the best place right like why take the hit from a, from a financial standpoint yeah. of taking on the burden of print mm -hmm. for an audience in a certain segment that goes to a certain type of um, retail mm -hmm. to, you know, buy that when they're not that interested. I could take that money, keep it digital, work on marketing and get it in front of the audiences right. that I think will really be into Relic, which, you know, quite honestly, are African-American, African-Americans, African-American community. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of spreads out over that. But I think seeing those two black kids and, you know, this black family and all this stuff, I think it's just going to resonate with. Uh, people of color and African-Americans first. And mm -hmm. so that's what we're focused on is like, how do we get it to them? How are they consuming media? How are they watching things? How are they reading comics? Do they even know where they can go to get comics? Right, right, right. So right. if you think about, right, like Marvel and DC have activated this huge, um, you know, kind of latent comic book audience, but, you know, how, how long are they going to stick around? Yeah. How are they thinking about comics? How are they going to go buy comics? you know when you start thinking about marketing you know do they even want to go to a store to mm -hmm. buy comics do they want to own a physical comic mm -hmm. or do they just want something in their phone that they can scroll through and share with their friends and say like hey check out this comic i'm reading you should download this so yeah. a lot of thought went into that and again you know would love to be in retail stores uh at some point especially uh comic book stores because yeah. i really think 
you know, we have to support the retailers who supported the comic book industry. So mm-hmm. definitely go out and buy comics. I go to the store and buy comics, you know, but for us and the audience that we've targeted with our anime, I'm not sure if they're in those stores, you know, right, definitely right. there, mm-hmm. but at the numbers that we need, they might be online and digital might be a better, right. better place for us initially. Yeah. And with things like Twitter and Instagram and technology going down evolving in the way that it is that's a very smart move to not rely so heavily on having a physical comic because i'm sure someone a fan will find a way to say hey you know can i if 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 need be can you please please give me this in physical or, or can <laughs> i you know like it'll be a conversation to be had i'm sure oh yeah but and we have plans for it you okay, know it's, it's one of those things that you know but but we look at it more like um like uh indie music and indie bands right? right like you put your music you do your tours and then you drop like uh a vinyl that's like a collector's edition right you know? right right so that's for like the fans who really love and they're like i love relic like you said i want that physical copy because mm-hmm. i want it in my book bag i want it in my back pocket i want my coffee table so right right you know when we get there we definitely want to want to have those products but you know the goal is to get there so it's you know having conversations with you and getting people to know about us and then releasing the book, you know, that's, that's kind of our, our first goal. And then Very hopefully good. people will love it and we can, we definitely can put out, uh, you know, print copies, man. I'm sure they will. There is no doubt in my mind that people are going to love relic like this is period. Just off of the, 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 the bit that you've spewed today and based off <laughs> the strength of the Instagram account, they have to, um, I know you mentioned Appreciate that, you know, it. you, <laughs> more than welcome sir uh that there are you know you're working on possibly doing other things down the line will relic or do you even know now if it'll be like part of an extended universe since that's kind of all the rave now or is it just this is a story on itself or mm -hmm. it's kind of its own universe uh it'll definitely have you know we love for things to spin off of it you know Mm -hmm. so that you can see because relic's a big world right like you're talking about magic coming back to earth so it's a big world. There's a lot of stuff. Um, but initially, like, it's its own book. And, you know, we'll want to put out a couple of volumes okay, uh, initially. Okay. So with we call it like a graphic one shot. So oh, kind of like a graphic novel, but like a graphic novella. So we like to do increments of 45 page graphic one shots okay. and kind of move the story forward. So, you know, it's kind of like when you're a kid and you were reading novellas and the character would go from this place to this place, mm-hmm. you know, by the end. And it wasn't, you know, a full novel. But when the next novella came out, they'd be a little a little further along in yeah. that story. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you collect all those together and there's this big story that's told. That's that's kind of our um, release plan for Relic. That is that's dope. That's just, that sounds amazing. Now, that being said, do you have a like idea of okay you know in four volumes from now or an end point or in like do you have a long story already in mind or is it just you know taking it as volume by volume uh volume by volume but knowing where we want to go i would okay. say that relic you know is truly a, a fantasy story in the sense like lord of the rings where mm-hmm. we definitely want a big story we want the characters to have big turns and so who they are when you first meet them they're, 
you know, they've been through a lot by the end of the story. I'm a big mm-hmm. Naruto fan. So if you think about, <laughs> you know, where Naruto started to where he is now, it's just like, whoa, and you feel like you've lived with him. So that that's really what we like to do. That's, that's dope. That's dope. Now, I don't have a lot of experience with Naruto, but I do, even though this is anime, with Strangers in Paradise from that like 25 year run where these oh, characters yeah. grew up or they like, so is it, is that kind of, comparable to the naruto <laughs> um, yeah or like dragon ball z you know mm-hmm. i'm not sure if you know relic will run like a decade but it's definitely that kind of growth that we right. want you to go through with the characters and kind of see them and you know we you know we have a lot of heart uh as we call them the gilbert brothers the gilbert boys we have okay. a lot of heart for the gilbert boys <laughs> the gilbert boys so. i like that oh man that's that's now with whatever the release date is and once everything is said and done, do you have any plans on maybe going to different cons or uh, hosting maybe little events or anything in that realm? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, we'll start hitting the, the convention circuit. Um, I was just talking to Afro comic con mm-hmm. about uh, attending their second uh, convention. Um, I definitely like to start hitting more of, you know, kind of the black con circuit. So like, um, you know, the conventions that are happening in Harlem, mm-hmm. is it called the black age of comics? Uh, that's the Philly, that's the big Philly convention. Uh, right. Okay. I think it may be it. I'm, I'm stuck on a uh, universal fan con <laughs> that's coming out in April. So I'm trying to, trying to remember. I think that may be it though. I think that's it. Yeah. So we definitely, you know, our goal is to definitely be part of that community and really be part of what's happening now in culture advancing, you know, just the idea of, you know, black heroes matter and that, you know, this is an important, important moment for everyone. And I think it's just as important for, you know, people who are not black or Mm -hmm. people who are not of color. This is just a good moment for everybody. I mean, a, you get more heroes, True. you know, so Mm -hmm. if you're a comic book fan, you can't be mad at that. I think B, you know, diversity and you talk about the articles. So we have some articles that we put out um, on medium uh, just about, you know, our thoughts about comics and where they're going. But, you know, you get you get some diversity and not just diversity in character, but diversity in story. You know, I'm I'm excited to see some of the comics that are coming out that are starting to pull from African mythology. I don't yes. know that much about African mythology. You know, it'll be interesting to see how it's translated. I watched American Gods, which was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how how will we start taking these other mythologies and mythos and if you're a comic book fan, I think it's it's really cool because now, you know, things get stale and old after a while. I, I love Wolverine. I love the X-Men. <laughs> but it's like, how, how how many things can you do with those characters before they kind of get old, right? Right, right. talk to the writers who are able to reinvent those characters, right? Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, somebody will do a run on, you know, a classic character like whoa i would have never have even thought of that angle right. so mm-hmm. but it's fun to have these other things kind of be introduced like oh cool i got my you know i got my wolverine but oh check this out i've got this new black hero that i'm really into right 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 you know, i'm just excited to sit down and you know the old school way go to the chinese store it used <laughs> to be go to the record store get some new music right. <laughs> go to the comic book store on a saturday and go home and yeah that was that was your day <laughs> man that um yeah, that's uh, um, just thinking about just Relic alone and then other creators who have come out with things who have started like on the the um, the webcomic 
side of things and then mm-hmm. some who have transitioned to print some who have continued on web some who have developed into you know maybe an animation or like it's just having these creators of color and these diverse experiences being able to give you so much because like you said there's so many wolverine stories that how many times did this man come back to life several times now right. let me check out something else you know let me even if there's something else you don't think is as good or you think it's the best thing since sliced bread just having another option that isn't just logan regenerating again so that's exactly yeah you know and and you know it's it's hard you know to figure out those new ways i was a big fan of logan uh, mm-hmm. When it came out last summer, that movie yeah. messed me up. Woo! Yes, <laughs> yes, that was that yeah. was some. Um, you know, I was like, "Why, why y'all doing this to me in a movie theater?" Uh, <laughs> trying to get me all messed up. Look, look, <laughs> yes, that 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 is a movie that I felt like. Nothing against Fox; they've done a great job. They were one of the first to kind of get the new superhero genre movie thing going past Blade, but mm-hmm. Logan and Deadpool were as far as quality, interesting, entertaining films, that, that's where it is. And it's it happened towards the end of their run, but that Logan, I don't know if I could handle too many movies in that Logan timeline, because that was like you said, yeah. that was heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Logan was... Woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I don't, I don't know if I can handle that either. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see what Marvel does with them now going forward. But you know, that's, I guess, neither here nor there. But <laughs> oh man, so, geez, I had something else I wanted to say about Relic. Um, no, but you, okay, you did mention possibly having other books existing under the Urbanime imprint and mm-hmm. going forward with different, like you said, an Afro-Latina woman possibly, and just other kind of um, people being represented. Where um, is there a timeline or is it just, are we just focused on Relic right now and that'll come in time or is it? Um, I, I would say we'll have some announcements for those as Relic uh, starts to come out mm-hmm. and like the book is officially out. We'll start right. shifting the conversation to those. Um, right, right. I would definitely like to have some things out um, with some of the other books in April, May. Okay. So, okay. but you know, to your question, we're you know just kind of focusing on Relic right now, but in Relic, I think we'll probably include like some art, you know, just kind of okay, yeah. uh, previewing some of the other things that we're thinking about doing this year. Well, good, because I'm very interested in it's one thing to have the conversation with you <laughs> and to see the photos online. But I'm interested in getting the story for myself, like to, <laughs> yeah. you know, immerse myself into this world with with the boys and see um and see how this story is unfolded, because I'm. Man, you can never have enough <laughs> too much representation in comics. And that's yeah. Bro, I'm so I'm so happy uh about Thanks. this story. Um what about I guess do you have any <laughs> advice or any uh comments to someone who may be that little brown or black boy or girl who may come from a supportive household, may not come from a supportive household, who sees this as something that they would aspire to to do? Oh, totally. 
I think it's, you know, it's, um, how do I say it? I think it's just wanting to tell a story and knowing that you can. You know, I think a big thing that you'll find out with Relic is the book is about agency okay. and being able to do things. And that's what I would say is like, you know, make your story, you know, tell it, make, you know, take little pencil drawings or stick figures or, you know, cut out pictures of magazines or, you know, if you can use Photoshop or any of those tools, you know, you can tell a story on Instagram, but, you know, you have the right and the ability to tell your story and just work on it. You know, and I think when you're that young, just doing it is a big deal. You know, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. think it's conversations about craft and all that stuff yet. Right. Like that comes later. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think just make stories and have fun. I think, you know, if you make a bunch and you really like it and it seems like it's something that you want to do, then you can start, you know, having conversations about how do I make it better? How do I do this for a living? But, you know, I think just go out and make some stories and have some fun and, you know, whatever interests you, um, tell that story and share it with friends. Definitely, definitely. Now with Relic, you, you have, you know, all your ducks in a row and you're doing your thing and you're pretty close to just being completely done. How long did it take to get to this point? Like with the writing and with the illustration, <laughs> was it like I pumped it out in a month and I was good and I was done? Or like how did, <laughs> no. how did that work? Uh, it, it really, we've been working on Relic about two years. Okay. Um, Alan and I probably came up with the story five years ago. So mm-hmm. well, the creative team is uh, Nick Leslie, uh, Alan Warner. Uh, Alan Warner wrote Ninja Boy, did a bunch of books at DC. Okay, I've known okay. Alan forever. Uh, we worked on, I didn't. I think I did the logo for Ninja Boy back mm-hmm. in the day with him and Ali Garza. I don't think I worked on Ninja Boy. I worked on, I did the covers for Skyrunner okay. that him and Ali made. But, um, but yeah, so we came up with the like the basic story and then because i've been working on urbanime for a while probably mm-hmm. about 10 years i've been wanting to launch uh the imprint okay. and so you know i work on different things at different phases um and then i was like okay i think you know this is a great time to do it with everything that's happening with black heroes and mm-hmm. black panther and that sort of thing and this was this was before I think Black Panther had just been announced, but you could kind of see it like yeah. where things were heading. I was like, oh, okay, this is a good opportunity. Probably don't want to miss this window that's going to happen. And so um, worked with that story with uh, Nick Leslie, who's my other writing partner. Nick worked at Upper Deck and did a lot of the trading cards with Upper Deck. So mm-hmm. he's like really familiar with artists and the creative world. And we just started writing. Um based off of the story that Alan and I had created together and we were like, okay, how does this really come to life? You know, past being like a short or an idea, Mm -hmm. how does this become a world and a book? And so I think that process probably took about a year and then we've probably been working on the book for about a year, but I work uh, in advertising as well. So it's really um, working on that with the team while I'm working in advertising and doing those sorts of things. So, okay. Man, because <laughs> I can tell you, like I said before, I'm sure I have several notebooks from when I was younger writing stories that I could pull out now. I'll be like, oh, Lord, <laughs> if I update this, it'll probably be good. But, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I got some of those coming. <laughs> I got, okay. I, I, I got some of those 16-year-old Chris stories that, uh, like, you know, part of me is like, can't we put those out? And it's like, we can put those away. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. We we can put those away, ego. Away, ego. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. I um, because I I write myself, and I you know I've been writing for a while, but I I've done that. I've taken a book that I've wrote back like the ninth grade, and I kind of updated it. And once mm-hmm. I did. I kind of created this little universe or whatnot, but I was like, okay, well, let me see. So I went back and looked at other books I wrote, like, okay, how do I put this person in here? And this is back when I was like in my early twenties. So it's not recent, of course, but I was just like trying to create this universe where there's at least one person that ties into this story and this story. And so (laughs) everything being said, those old stories, you might find a, a character or a concept in that uh, young Chris book that you might want to pull up into something else. That'd be that'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah, see. I mean, funny enough, Relic actually does have a couple of characters um, from you know back during that creation. Okay. I was like, oh, this might be um, you know everybody goes through their magic phase. I think when you make characters, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. so Relic has some of the characters that um, that I had from back then. Okay, that's what's up. That's that's ah, man, you're living a dream, brother. <laughs> that's good. That's you good. know, just trying to make comic books and tell stories. It's it's. I, I was telling somebody, it's like such a great age right now to be into comic books and superheroes. Yeah. You know, did you ever think you the CW would be nothing but superheroes? That right. you know, Marvel and DC would be fighting the box offices to be mm-hmm. you know the people who dominate. That Star Wars would. You know, we see, you know, Star Wars this many years later. Like, it's just a really great time to be into this stuff. It is. It is. And I, I like that. Now, I was a nerd growing up, but I was never, for all the things a, a young kid could be teased about, it was never my love for comics or cartoons mm-hmm. or like at any stage of my adolescence. That was never the thing to like, oh, you're a nerd. You like science or you like. Batman that was never a thing so it's just and I'm sure people and I know of course some people have had that experience but like you said to be in a world where not only is Superman and Batman the kind of staples of what the general public knows about superheroes like you can probably talk to someone's grandmother and she know who Black Widow is like that's right that's like that's or the even time Iron Man dude like Iron Man wasn't a character that people knew about. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Like I've been an Iron Man fan like forever because again I like sci-fi and robots. But yeah. you know, twenty years ago, if you said Iron Man, they'd have been like, "What are you? Is that what is that? Is that?" <laughs> you know, they may not even have thought it was a comic book character. Yeah, like is that something with like NASA or a rocket mm-hmm. or something? Is that mm-hmm. an astronaut? Yeah, that's yeah. You're right about that, and that's that's the one thing I've loved about kind of um about the age that we live in like you said because you are it with the properties being owned by different companies having to take a character like iron man who a lot of people like you said didn't know much about and have to focus on telling a good story you couldn't just rely on him having a red cape and being an alien like you had to tell a good story that at the very least even if it was formulaic it appealed to a broader range of people and not just the good old comic book boy gang. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably helped comic books more than anything is having to appeal to that wider audience. You know, Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you do that? How do you make comic books that, you know, to your point, somebody's grandma is going to like, you know, or a comic book movie that their grandma is going to want to go see, you know, with the family or, you know, somebody was like, 
uh, I had nephews, and so I wanted to be the cool aunt. So mm-hmm. I got into comic books and started learning about them so that yeah. I could have something to talk about. You know? yeah. So it's different place, different era. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, man. So I, um, yeah, I'm happy about that. <laughs> and the comic book store, just like I'm Relic is going to, I'm sure, just take my goddamn money. Take all my money <laughs> as often I mean, we as possible. We, we, we definitely, you know, that's a, that's the interesting thing when something is new, right? It's like mm-hmm. you hope that it does well. But I think, you know, my thing is if it resonates, it'll do well. And that's what I really hope is that people come to love the characters as much as we have. And I think from there, you know, things take care of themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, um, I guess that you, um, I, I ran out of questions, <laughs> my good <laughs> sir. Um, I'm enjoying the conversation. Is there any anything that we haven't touched on, anything that you want to get out to the uh, to the listeners, to the people? Um, I, not really. You know, I would just say maybe thanks to my team that yeah. you know we've been working together really hard over the last you know couple of years, especially the last like six you know seven months to get mm-hmm. Relic out. So. You know, it's always good to have a good group around you who, you know, are just as excited about what you're doing as you are. So right, hopefully right. as, you know, we start doing more press for Relic, you know, I can start getting them and some of the calls and having them talk to people and share their experiences with the project and just their, you know, personal creative experiences and journeys too. Because uh, like Harold Edge is really talented uh, comic book artist. I think he's got a lot to say about his work. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's always fun to talk to Nick and, you know, he's got just such a different, you know, way of thinking about comics. And after having been at like Upper Deck and been around some of the collectible market, it's really cool to talk to him about stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I let you know, this is you have whenever you want to return, bring whoever you want. You have an open invitation <laughs> to well, to come you. back and, and and just dish more on yourself and whatever projects you have going on cuz I I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you man for real I do I do appreciate this man Definitely I appreciate it too um well you know we'll definitely take you up on that once uh relic is out and you've had a chance to read it and mm-hmm. you know it'd be good to come back and have the team on a call and talk to you Absolutely um yeah, so uh, <laughs> I know you want to give out your social medias or anything pertaining to Re- Relic or Baname or yeah. you or. Yeah, so, uh, you know, check out Urbanime. It's U R B A N I M E. So it's like Urban Anime. And we're top level on all the social media. So at <laughs> Urbanime on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I, except on Twitter, I think it's Urbanime, Twitter, T W T R. Um, and then as far as Chris Walker, me, if you want to hear more about me or see some of the stuff that I'm working on, it's Chris likes to do stuff. So if you look that up, I have like a website and you can see, um, you can Instagram too. And for my website, I think you can go to the creativepreneur and again, the creativepreneur, if, if you're listening and you're like, Hey, this is really cool. I have a bunch of ideas and I want to do them too. Then I would say follow the creativepreneur because it's all about you know, feeding that excitement and that creativity and encouraging you that you can do it. Man, absolutely. And again, listeners, that all that will be on the show notes as well. So you don't have to look too far. Once you're listening to this episode, just click on the show notes and you'll have a list of all of those. But 
Man, again, I want to thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me today. Just amazing, amazing uh, having you on, man, Chris, for real. Thank you. I I appreciate it. It's nice to be able to talk about what we're up to and share that, but also be part of, you know, the culture and, you know, share this moment with everybody as, you know, diversity in comics is really starting to become a thing and not just something people talk to, but something that people are enjoying and you know, excited about and can't wait to read. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, for all you guys out there in listener land, again, make sure to check the show notes for all of Chris's extensive work, all the amazing things he's done. And uh, make sure to pick up Relic once it is available. Download it, read it, talk about it, tweet it, share it, and all that good stuff. And um, until next time, I want everyone to stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and that's that.